welcome back to the 3DD podcast. Uh, listen, I I know the world is currently in a state that makes it feel like everything's on fire, but um, you know, I, I think it's it's important to maintain some sense of normalcy and and also I think there's there's a, there's a real this among uh, of, of all other things really makes a case for the value of escapism and and not just entertainment and, and creativity um, but really just a chance to turn off the, that 24-hour news cycle and not to mention everybody just blasting all kinds of info in your face and you don't know what's real and what's not so uh that all being said uh thank you for joining me and if i'm part of your escapist routine then i'm, I'm very very grateful that i that you've chosen me to do that so i hope <laughs> i hope i succeed um my my guest this week is an absolute boss a, lit, a literal boss uh co-founder and ceo of cheer district and the cheer district app which has absolutely taken the cheer world by storm uh brianne and, and cheer district opened an entire world of, of competitive cheerleading to me years ago when i was early on in my own professional career so she and i have kind of both come up together at least i like to think uh, though, though she she really did have uh, dive in completely into the world of, of entrepreneurship, uh, turning her own business into a thriving enterprise that is bursting at the seams with growth. Uh, very very interesting human being. I really love getting a chance to sit down and, and talk and share stories and about trying to make it on her own. Um, you know this crazy world of. <laughs> entrepreneurship um you can find brianne on instagram at brianne hansen uh she actually hosts her own podcast available on the apple podcast network called becoming entrepreneurs uh you can follow the socials for that as well at becoming entrepreneurs and of course check out the cheer district app and the cheer district socials at cheer district and enjoy this episode of the 3dd podcast with brianne hansen beginning now okay i'm leaving i'm leaving i'm leaving doing it anymore so that you just decide to stop <laughs> so yeah just like okay, how it. close do i have to talk to it that's good okay <laughs> <laughs> so brianne hansen thank yes. you thank you for doing the show no how was your problem. shoot it was a lot of fun thanks for doing that with me i appreciate it sorry <laughs> it was you, you've awkward. done you've done no no not at all not at all <laughs> everybody thinks they are but then i'm just like i don't know what you're talking about like you probably feel more uncomfortable than you look i hope so, so like i try i always try to like like it's fine there's nothing to worry about yeah because the thing is if you're if you're if you feel discomfort like if you feel discomfort and you clam up it's gonna show it's gonna come through 100 percent. like you just gotta like i feel like it gets easier as it goes yeah but the beginning's always awkward yeah but being the being the boss now like you're probably gonna be in that situation quite a lot now yeah it's definitely (laughs) popped up a lot more than i ever have doing this kind of stuff um i guess being an entrepreneur, I have to brand myself a little bit differently. So yeah. I have to do stuff like this. Um, and like for the company building brand for that, when it was just me getting or those, just me and one other person getting those influencer shots, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like you have done shoots before, but like, have you ever done one that's like, in like a big studio setting like that or no, not f- well, yes, but not professionally, I guess. Like, um, I've rented a studio myself with a friend and oh, okay. like a coworker um, to do our own stuff. But literally it was just, I mean, cause we have a bunch of equipment for cheer district. So we mm. just did it ourselves. but I've never done a studio shoot with like, a, like a, a, an actual <laughs> photographer. <laughs> well, it's nice you think that I'm an actual photographer. That's um, nice you are, of you. So. <laughs> but yeah. How's everything going with uh, the whole 
you know, running a business and trying to have a life at the same time? Um, How's the it's balance? It's next to impossible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I get a lot. I've gotten a lot better at it. Um, it takes it takes effort to find the balance because you have to know when you're just working to work and when you're working in to be productive. And mm. I feel like at the beginning, a lot of the time I was just working to work because I felt like you needed to yeah. be. Yeah. I was, well, I was excited about it. I felt like I had to, right. there was like all of these different reasons for why I was working all the time. I mean, ultimately at the beginning, there's a million and 12 things to do. And when you're just doing it yourself, yeah, yeah. you, you have to do it all. But I feel like I learned my threshold of when it's like, okay, if I did this tomorrow when I'm fresh, I could get it done in an hour as opposed to the three hours that I'm going to spend on it right now. Right. So finding that balance of, like I said, when I'm working to work or when I'm working and being productive. Right. Cause I'm thinking about like, we, we have a, like a, a different approach to pretty much everything, even though we, we kind of are, you know, so, but you were like a business owner, like a business owner. <laughs> and like, this is why I try to stay away from the word entrepreneur, because then like, I look at people like you and I'm like, I, we're not doing the same thing. It's kind of unfair <laughs> to put myself in the same category because I'm like, you know, like I go and I, I do my, I do my shoots. I do everything freelance. And, you know, I kind of go like shoot to shoot and everything is really disorganized. And I'm like, oh, taxes, I'll figure it out later. And <laughs> and uh, I'm like, I just go from one thing to the next. And I just it just kind of builds all, all up on top of one another. And the only thing that I have to worry about in terms of like work is actually like the like, you know, the shooting and the editing and like the accounting, well, accounting, like the little bit of accounting that I do mm -hmm. but that's pretty much it like I you know like when I set up my like I I have a, a business number mm -hmm. but I'm like it was it's pretty simple to get one of those I think mm -hmm. you just have to apply for it and 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 like for an HST number I'd learned that I didn't even have to do that but like it's too late now so I'm like <laughs> I already have one <laughs> once you have it there's no going back so it's like yeah. <clears throat> but it's a lot of figuring out as you go but like with you there's like you know, you've got like, it's like an enterprise that you're setting up <laughs> and like you're, you're doing it, you know, like a, a, a little bit more of a traditional way. Cause you, cause you, yeah. well, your business is not necessarily like a, the same as mine is, is so far as mine is like strictly creative. Mm -hmm. Whereas with yours, like you have like staff and like, yeah, yeah. I definitely think it's different, but I would for sure still call you an entrepreneur. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, a hundred percent. Like you still, you have to build your own business. You have right. to find your own clients. No one's doing that for you. No one's giving you a clientele. You, you, yeah. have, you are the boss of the success, your success. And I think yeah. that that's really what an entrepreneur is. It's, bringing building business for yourself right i mean i think there's definitely parallels like there's some of the things that we like when we whenever we talk we we, we definitely like <laughs> so like how, how's your life work-life balance going You're like garbage how's yeah. yours same yeah. <laughs> literally that that is us I, I'm, I mean i feel like yours is almost different because um i have a lot less of a handle on it than you <laughs> well <laughs> i don't know i don't know if i would say that but i think that it's just different because my every day is spent building what you would call maybe your side hustle, but my side hustle is my full time. So right, like right, 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 right. you, you have to balance having 40 hours a week of 45, or, oh, 45, <laughs> sorry, 45 hours a week of, um, a, you regular, know, a, a regular job yeah. plus your side hustle. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so I just think it's definitely different. I mean, I feel like you don't sleep and we feel a lot of the same pain. <laughs> 
Like yes. we, it's it's like same same but different kind of thing. That's what's so interesting to talk to people that like have businesses that are different than yours because mm-hmm. it's like. You, you you have you can be completely different industries completely you you run completely parallel from one each other but like you're kind of there's a lot of similarities right like you are running parallel like i said mm-hmm. like there's there's things that you can connect over that like nobody else would really understand 100% from like people that like don't have that you know whatever it is insane piece of your brain that makes you want to just do something yourself even though it's extremely painful sometimes <laughs> painful exhausting there's a lot of questioning yourself of like why am i doing this why did i <laughs> yep so like now like the deeper i got into doing it on my own i was just like and then i would look at people like you and i'm like i'm like i wonder where that comes from like what like like is there any piece of your like upbringing that had anything to do with like what made you want to be like a, a business owner. And then I listened to the Becoming Entrepreneurs podcast. Mm-hmm. Ep- and there's an episode with a, a gentleman with the name of Telfer Hansen, <laughs> a.k.a. your dad, <laughs> yeah. who is a boss, like a stud <laughs> in the business world. And I'm like, oh, OK, that's where you get. Yeah, that's where you get that drive from. Yeah, for sure. People, it's funny because when I was growing up, people used to ask me, like, what does your dad do? And I'd be like, like, I don't know, <laughs> because I feel like every five minutes he'd have something like new on the go. And I mean, his I guess technical, um, title would be, he was an investment banker, but he, when he worked for the company, he would like go all in with a company and really like get in it. So then from my perspective, it would be like, he was working for and with that company. So it was literally like, it's basically (laughs) his. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, he just, he would really, he really always went two feet in, like fully invested himself. So I saw that all the time with him. So it was funny because really I had never had any idea what he was doing unless like some, a product would pop up somewhere or something. I'd be like, what's that? He's like, Oh, you didn't know about this lipstick company (laughs) that I'm like working with? Like, no, I didn't know. (laughs) But, um, definitely that two feet in go and be confident and just like do it and get it done. Definitely comes from him and like the drive and the, I guess, um, a lot of people maybe have more of a traditional way of approaching the business world and maybe their parents contribute to, oh, mm-hmm. you need to have a stable nine to five. You need to get a certain degree that's going to lead you to a job. Whereas my parents were more like, follow your passion, do what you want to do. Right, if right. you want to go to university, go to university. If you don't, don't, but figure it out. Like as, as long as you're doing something that's going to make you happy and ultimately you are the leader of figuring out what your life's going to look like. And if you want to live, you know, if you want to live as you have, when you've grown up, you might, you might have to put in a little bit more Mm. effort. Your life might have to look differently, but, um, my parents were always so, uh, encouraging of just like, do whatever you want to do. Right. Yeah. I mean, like when I was growing up, my parents were definitely more traditional. Like they were more about, they, they would have been completely happy if I just like, I'm I'm sure like they're 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 happy as it is the fact that like you know I I I land that <laughs> nine to six job that pays that pays the bills you know move out get my own place and settle down and mm-hmm. that that would have been that's plenty for them right but like so I feel like this part of it they just don't, like every time I try to talk to them about it they like don't really understand. <laughs> But I'm just like, yeah, you know, like I do like photo shoots and stuff. And, and I, just try, cool. I just try to keep it vague because like I don't want to get too deep into it. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like um, I've learned a lot about 
being an entrepreneur and talking to people who aren't entrepreneurs and yeah. 99% of the time they either look at you like you're crazy or <laughs> they look at you like, mm, it doesn't seem that hard. And yeah. they just don't get it. Like yeah, 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 you don't yeah, yeah. get it unless you're doing it or you know someone that's like really close to you and you see it. Like my boyfriend, for example, I would say that he, he wouldn't know what it's like to be an entrepreneur, but he definitely has a different window in than regular people. Cause he sees me just like you, you know your girlfriend would like sees you working in the middle yeah, of the yeah, night yeah. sees that something pops up on your phone and you're like oh well I have to deal with this now it's not an option yeah, like yeah, yeah. I you know I can't just let go because there's not somebody else that's gonna pick it up but most people don't get that right and it's yeah it's it's one of those things that like I I would like to say that anybody can do it and I do believe that anybody really can but I think you ultimately if you have the if you have the urge in you to do it at all you probably can right like it's it's, it's it's a personality thing too because like some people like you said like some people just don't get it like you know like tell people like oh i haven't had a day off in eight months mm -hmm. and they're just like why and like i don't know because i just don't really see any other way yeah and they're like but like don't you ever want to just i'm like yeah all the time all i want to do is sit around like i'm like I, i'm like i'm a 100 a potato if i could just sit around and just <laughs> and just watch youtube and movies uh, like all day I would, I would love that. But like, there's also a part of me that's like, I can't, I can't, I almost can't sit. Deep. So this is one thing that I try to bring up with everybody. Cause I'm like, I, I, am I the only one that feels like this? Like, it's like when you, when you get so busy and then you get a minute off, it's almost like you can't enjoy it mm -hmm. because it's like you, you have a little bit of like, it's almost like a guilt of just like, what am I supposed to 100%. I'm like, I'm like, okay, I, this is done. This is done. This is done. I have nothing really pending on the go that needs to be dealt with right now what am i missing? I need to sit down and then you sit down and you're like it's not right mm -hmm. some it just doesn't feel right mm -hmm. and, you, and you almost can't relax because you just you, there's that nudging anxiety behind you of just like you're literally seeking my language like <laughs> i feel that it's a struggle and i mean i'm pretty open about it but um I struggle with anxiety and mental health and stuff. And I feel sometimes my lowest when I'm not doing anything. Like I yeah. feel when I sit down to do nothing, I, I feel anxious. Like I could be doing things to be bettering my life right now. Absolutely, like what am I yeah. doing just sitting on the couch? And that was something that I really had to work on at the beginning to find the balance of like, okay, Brian, no, take an hour. It's okay to sit on the couch and do nothing for an hour. Like you will survive. Yeah. And so that's the, that's the huge difference between probably me a year ago and me today is that I can now recognize and not let anxiety just overcome me when I'm like, yeah. Oh my God, why am I not doing anything? So tell me about the, uh, the whole progression. Oh, actually the one thing that's like become a theme on the show is that for some reason, I wasn't the one who did this first. I'm just going to say, but like the whole <laughs> cracking the tree. <laughs> I'll just go straight can so I don't have to watch that later. Yeah. So. But yeah, like, tell me, I don't know how that became a thing. I'm just like cracking into the, into the mic. I didn't mm. even have that idea. And I was just like, I wish I thought of that, but it's fine. <laughs> but somebody else thought of it first, but now you can do it every time. It's also definitely not 1230 in the afternoon on a Sunday. <laughs> and I'm definitely not drinking already. I, I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> but yeah, tell me about the, uh, so I, I generally, I know generally like kind of the story just from listening, especially from listening to your podcast, you mm -hmm. tell the story quite a bit on there, but, um, from, from your progression from starting, um, 
like from having the idea of cheer district in mm-hmm. in, in scott's office mm-hmm. and then building it to where it was 100 yours mm-hmm. and you were able to really peel away and and, and turn it into your own thing because it really is it really is you right like mm-hmm. the more i get to know you because mm-hmm. when, when i first met you and because the first time when we met was was under the context of me working for you right like yeah. of me shooting for you mm-hmm. so i didn't really know i didn't first of all i didn't know cheer district i didn't know you and th- and I was so far removed from that whole world. You were my introduction to it, actually. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, the, but the more I kind of got involved in it, the more I like started to look and I sort of like look around and just and see what that whole world is like, just so I could understand it better. Just so I could I could create a better product ultimately. Mm-hmm. And then I'm just like, I get to know you more. I get to know cheerleader more. And I'm just like, oh, this makes a lot of sense. <laughs> so it's, it's a lot of your personality. It's a lot of your experience. Just, you know, manifested into a thing that's now on in the world yeah a hundred percent it it all comes from experience and from passion for the sport um it's a little bit easier to talk to you about it because you know some of the people that are involved sometimes when i talk about people or when I, like when i to bring up scott i've had someone ask me like oh is he your partner in life i'm like no 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 partner business partner business um he's married but um So originally, when I finished school, like I had no idea what I wanted to do. I changed programs three times when I was in university. Um, Really, the only thing that kept me there was cheerleading because I was so passionate about it. And if I left school, I'd have to leave cheerleading and I wasn't going to do that. So, um, you know, I I finished with a general. Um, I loved my experience at Laurier and but it was really the cheerleading that kept me there. Um, but when I was done school, I had no idea what I wanted to do. Um, I guess that's the problem, right? Of like of any, <laughs> any of those sports that, because cheerleading, it's a very, it's, it's a sport that you get involved in when you're very, very young. Mm-hmm. Like you they're, can start at three. Yeah. Yeah. They start really, really young. It's like, and a lot of those, like it's, it's, it's similar to like Olympic sports where a lot of those, you know, your, your athletic prime is when you're in your teens. Yeah. So yeah. then your retirement age is like before you hit 20. <laughs> yeah. And then it's like, so you, you have to go all in on one thing. And for you, it's, it, you know, it's cheerleading is just like that. Where you have to go hundred percent all into it. Absolutely. And, and then you, you, you dedicate your whole life to it. You forego, you know, everything a lot else. Of things, yeah. And then all of a sudden you hit retirement age and then it's like, okay, go ahead, start your life. And you're like, Oh, Uh, what does that that mean mean? (laughs) literally it's like well what do I do now I went from you know when I was in high school I even had a course in my high school where they actually gave me a credit for doing my cheerleading because I it was like a technically a gym credit but Mm. um because I practiced so many hours outside of school that they basically gave me a spare at school to focus on my other homework. And then I got a credit for doing cheerleading outside oh. of, out of, outside of school. Um, it's called like advanced athlete development or something. Mm. I don't even remember. It was so long ago. Um, but then, and then university, it was like practices. We cheered for football games every Saturday. We traveled with the team. We did basketball. Um, we competed on our own. Like the sideline cheer was at not at all really what we were doing or what I'm passionate about. Um, So then it went, we were done, I was done school and I was like, I have so much free time. What do I do with this free time? Um, Let alone what do I do with my life in terms of, you know, work? Because I didn't, I didn't really know. So I ended up working at an orthotics manufacturing plant, which was in Steeltown, Hamilton. Interesting. So uh, I was their business development, the only person in business development there. Um, 
but I hated it because everybody was so miserable. Mm. And I was still going to Scott for treatment because of what cheerleading did to my body. As yeah. you know, like, <laughs> yeah, Kev, I was, know now. Kev was trying to make me do things at the photo shoot today, just like have proper posture. And I'm like, my body doesn't do that because it's broken. Um, but anyway, so I was still going to see Scott for treatment and I whined enough about my job to him that he was like, Brian, do you want to just come work for me? And I was like, yes, please. Thank you. <laughs> so he brought me in to run his clinic, which God bless him, because that was like the conversation that. Yeah. Kind of was start, the start of the rest of my Scott life. was your physio. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. 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 Scott was my physiotherapist. Well, he's technically a chiropractor, actually, but um, he doesn't do the whole cracking thing. And yeah. I don't do the whole cracking thing. So um, anyway, so I started running his clinic and then it was just kind of an idea that he wanted. He he was like, want to make an app? And I was like, sure. <laughs> what do you want to make an app about? Like he always, he was always passionate about cheerleading as well. His yeah. clinic was in a cheerleading gym. So, um, we were in the world and he always wanted to help athletes find the way to condition properly for our sport because being a sports scientist and treating cheerleaders and chiropractics, he was yeah. seeing all the injuries we were facing, but all of the ways that we could be preventing these injuries. It's a really, it's a really smart idea. Thank you. <laughs> if, you if you, now that I know, now that I understand more of like what, what, exactly you were you were going for with cheer district and what cheerleading is is really like mm -hmm. yeah it definitely was necessary yeah and if you if you still think that cheerleading is like waving around pom-poms go and go and watch spend, cheer yeah go and watch cheer on netflix literally thank oh you oh my god <laughs> I, was, I definitely wanted to bring that up to you i was like this that, i was like do i ask you if you've seen it? i was like that's a stupid question of course you've seen it but yeah, yeah a lot of people ask me that it's a really it, that is a huge if for anybody if you don't understand the world of cheerleading because we're not just talking about like you know like no disrespect to like you know the cheerleaders for the raptors and raptors 905 they're dancers they're dancers yeah mm -hmm. and you know like I, I know a few of them and but they are they're absolutely dancers um they categorize it as cheerleaders because they are you know they're wearing the uniform and they're at the game and whatever but, they are, but the sport of cheerleading is very very different very very different yeah it's it's stunts it's tumbling it's gymnastics essentially yeah. it's it's team gymnastics is yeah. what it is to, to, a, to a whole nother level yeah. it's yeah it's just different and a lot of people don't understand competitive cheerleading i'll show and them videos or and, yeah. and they're like it's dangerous what it's dangerous yeah oh it's really, yeah it's like it's it's dangerous insofar as any gymnastics sport or discipline is dangerous or any sport in general is dangerous mm -hmm. but it's just there was not really you know like it, like I think Scott said in one of your videos that I that I was filming for, he said that like you don't, you know, in, in a lot of cheerleading teams, they don't necessarily do strength and conditioning. Their strength mm -hmm. and conditioning is practice. And but when you, you know, when you're at practice, you should be practicing technique and you should be practicing your routine. Mm -hmm. You shouldn't necessarily be using those movements to strengthen those movements, mm -hmm. which is something that's pretty well that's pretty well understood in pretty much every, you know, other fitness related mm -hmm discipline right like uh for example if you're an olympic weightlifter or if you're a powerlifter you do accessory movements that are not the movement that you're doing but strengthen you know certain muscles certain stabilizers mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. make you strong for that movement so exactly. that when you go to do it you don't hurt yourself but exactly. like that wasn't really a thing so much in cheerleading at least from from what i was yeah. seeing no 100 so. like every other sport seems to have their version of like dry land training yeah, kind yeah, of thing yeah, yeah, yeah. um but cheerleading never did and in fact we would do our conditioning at practice yeah exactly um we also use most sports do but like conditioning as a punishment so you drop a girl you do 300 push-ups but which, that's not helping anybody which they see in, in, in cheer yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah, cheer. yeah they do was that cool you see like like other teams like that they do that at navarro like yeah <laughs> somebody I mean, somebody falls and everybody has to drop and do yeah push -ups? most 
I have like a I have opinions about, about that, that um, because that's what I like. That's what I grew up doing too. But I think there's better ways of disciplining than using conditioning as discipline because then it makes us not like it and it oh, it, right. it, it, it makes that connection to yeah it, it makes you think makes you associate conditioning with, with punishment that's with, interesting with punishment and negativity so what that's something that we're trying to do at cheer district is change the mentality when it comes to cheer when it comes to conditioning we want to see the correlation between conditioning from with a positive mindset with 100 percent of your muscle capacity going into a workout fresh yeah. and seeing the core the correlation between doing your conditioning and getting more skills and reducing your risk of injury and seeing the difference in what you can as an athlete can put on the floor yeah. versus not wanting to do your conditioning because you have just this severe aversion to it because yeah. you have you know those flashbacks of those practices where you've had to do like 500 push-ups yeah. and but also a two and a half hour practice and you're dying and the last thing you want to do is another push-up yeah so that's we're trying to change a whole lot of things in the cheerleading industry, which is going to take time. We know it's a long game for sure. It's changing the culture. Um, but ultimately from a sports science perspective and from the data that we're collecting, um, and by we, I mean, Scott, (laughs) because (laughs) that is not my expertise, but from the data we're collecting, we can see the negative effects that those kinds of things are having on our athletes and the fatigue that it's causing our athletes to, um, experience yeah. and how it's actually putting our athletes at higher risk of injury as opposed to what most coaches think. We're like, oh, I'm going to do a bunch of pushups. They're going to get stronger. But we're actually fatiguing, further fatiguing the muscles to a point that when we go and do our what our sport requires us to do, the high intensity, it's putting us at such a high risk because our muscles are so fatigued. Right. So on Cheer District, it's essentially if you look at what Cheer District is, it's basically it's it's athlete programming mm-hmm. for cheerleaders. Yeah. It's it's a really it's a really smart idea. It's a Thank really you. smart. I wish I understood it more when I <laughs> when I first met you. Mm-hmm. But like I again, like I was so far removed from that whole world. So like most people are jumping into it was like, what is all this? Mm-hmm. And I was just like, I didn't understand it at all. Like because there's a culture to it. And I really do think like well, first of all, let me ask your opinion first. Mm-hmm. Like, what did you you did you like cheer? Yes, Netflix? I did. I liked the way the um, level of intensity that it showed. It, it showed the true athleticism of the sport. Obviously, yeah. there was things about it that I didn't love, like the way that there's such a high focus on how the girls look and weigh and that kind of stuff. Like, I really don't believe in that. I oh. really believe in the how strong are we, how conditioned are we, how good can we be at our sport, not how much do we weigh when we step on the scale hmm. i was thinking about that too because i'm like they, they definitely do focus on um they definitely do take the focus on certain people in in the documentary but mm-hmm. i'm like at the same time as a filmmaker you do have to you, you do have to put together mm-hmm. a story so like you are going to pick yeah, out yeah, the yeah. people with the, with the most interesting stories who might not necessarily be the best athletes i mean not to say that they aren't great athletes but mm-hmm. you, you are going to pick out the people that have an, an overarching storyline that you can weave throughout that yeah. long. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't have a problem with any of that stuff. Like I love that they showed the real life of yeah. what these kids are. I mean, I, I don't believe that it was appropriate for all ages. And I know that there were some young kids who heard about it on social and were like, I want to watch here. And I was like urging parents, make sure you maybe watch it before you let your kid watch it, depending oh, really? on how you feel about it. Cause there was, you know, like six year olds that are wanting to watch this because the last Netflix show that came out was cheer squad. And that was yeah. very, very different. Um, just 
the stories that were told were not, you know, it was, oh, my boyfriend took me out for dinner as opposed to, you know, suicide, like attempting suicide, that kind of stuff. Oh, hard hitting issues. More more harsh. I mean, real world stuff. And I like that they talk about it, that anybody can experience this stuff. But um, definitely from the perspective of the industry having a lot of younger kids because you can start at the age of three and they were so excited about a show on Netflix about cheerleading. So, um, I don't even remember what you asked me, but (laughs) (laughs) I think it, well, that, 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 like, I love that documentary and I definitely want to talk to you about it because I'm like, it's the perfect like combination of like filmmaking for me and cheerleading for you. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's like our worlds crashing together and like, yeah, again, if you've never seen it, I highly, highly, highly recommend it. It's like, it's a very well done documentary. And like, Mm -hmm. I think it did a really, it, it did a really good job of like, illustrating the whole culture of it did of cheerleading justice oh, yeah which is doesn't happen you know we have bring it on and we have yeah. and like bring it on is the closest thing that, Isn't that pop culture up? has seen to cheerleading <laughs> and it's like not even at all what cheerleading is like yeah. i mean the it's later clo- it's like it's, it's it's the same shape <laughs> it's the yeah it's the closest thing the the farther along that they got in the series I mean, there was a couple of misses. I tell people never watch Bring It On Again because that's probably the worst one. But um, I feel like what they actually put on the floor to compete, definitely close to what we do. But the life around it isn't. Whereas the more of like the whole um, documentary style, like this is what the kids lives are actually like in college while competing. Some of those uh, athletes on those teams, they really didn't show it as much, but um, we have like we know some people on the team. I have a friend who's actually originally from um, Toronto, who hmm. TT. So he was one of the, like the main guys, the one that hurt his back. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So we've known him for a while. Um, he's originally from PCT, which is a cheerleading gym in Mississauga, Power Cheer Toronto. Hmm. Um, but he, we were talking to him last year. We interviewed him at one of the competitions, and he's also on Wild Catch, which is the cheer athletics gym that they also kind of showed in the documentary. Yeah. He practices 14 times a week. That's crazy. 14 times a week. That's so seven he'll, days a week, two, day, two times a day? Yeah. So That's he'll crazy. like he'll go to practice, then he'll go to class, then he'll drive four hours to his all-star gym, practice, drive back, go to college, practice. Like... The things he was telling us, there's an interview on Cheer District, if anybody's actually interested in hearing it, but it's on our YouTube channel. But it it was shocking because even in Canada, cheerleading is not like that here. Mm. You, I was on three teams and I practiced, you know, I had like eight or nine practices a week and that was a lot. Yeah. So 14 times a week is when one of the places that you practice is, you know, a couple hours drive away. Bananas. Yeah. That is wild. The commitment level is insane. But I love that they showed the true, really ultimately at the end of the day, they showed the true athleticism of the sport and that's all that matters. And I love that pop pop culture was able to see it because like they've been on Ellen now, they've Mm -hmm. been, you know, on all of these different shows. Yeah. A bunch of celebrities are watching it. It's, it's big. Oh yeah. And like, like all like wired and all those like vanity fair, they're getting to do all their seconds and stuff. Yeah. I think it's going to, it's, it's going to do a lot to bring like a more, accurate it's it's gonna bring cheerleading to the world as more than just like mm-hmm. you know bring it on <laughs> exactly and i honestly think it's gonna help our sport grow we're gonna see a bit of a we're gonna see an increase in that so you couple caught years. the wave right, right at the right time yeah yeah <laughs> it's been big for it's you definitely like, been convenient yeah. <laughs> um but uh, yeah I'm, I'm honestly interested to see what it looks like over the next couple of years the only thing 
that I'm interested to see is how the gyms adjust to a more general population coming in because it is on the higher end of expense like it's an expensive sport to participate in they Mm -hmm. recommend budgeting between five and ten thousand dollars per athlete per year to participate Mm. so and that's not including travel right so most people can't afford to spend ten thousand dollars for their kid to do a sport but i think with the awareness now you'll probably see some you know changes being made mm-hmm. that's what i think to i make think it, there to will make be it a little bit more accessible yeah i think there will be changes in especially the because it's become a lot more popular now i'm sure 100 mm-hmm. percent. did you when you were coming up in, in your athletic career <laughs> did you find there to be like a lot of stigma around like boys getting into cheerleading a hundred percent um it's funny because there's kind of two sides to the coin um before college there was huge stigma you know very, very rarely did you see in Canada, at least. Yeah. And boys and cheerleading is a lot bigger in the States. And that's probably just because it's been around longer. And so it's been destigmatized there longer. Mm-hmm. But um, before before college, you didn't see a lot of boys in cheerleading in Canada. It's There's a little bit more now, but still not a ton. Um, once you hit college, that's when there was the change, like the open teams. Um, right. So like 17 ish, 18 and up. Um, but there was kind of a trend there that I think started in the States, but we started to see here too. Um, in my gym, at least when I was growing up too, from Mac. So if you didn't make the football team, they push you over to cheerleading. Oh, so interesting. I didn't um, know that. Because a lot of those like big, strong guys can be very useful when it comes to, yeah. to the tossing so um from a co-ed perspective we saw a lot of ex-football players coming over to cheerleading and apparently that was a thing that started in the states but i actually saw it happen in my gym but definitely the older athletes are more male because that's where the open levels are if that Mm, makes sense right well i guess that makes sense i didn't know that that's how they (laughs) a lot of them would come over i mean not all of them obviously but um i think people always assume that um male cheerleaders are gay but that's definitely not true Mm -hmm. um like obviously you there are some gay men in cheerleading but there's also a lot of straight men just like every other sport sport. Um, but i think that that's why i really wish people understood the athleticism of the sport a little bit more because it's not the same like if if my mom used to actually always joke to my brother be like taylor i don't know what you're thinking like why don't you go into cheerleading first of all you get to hang out with like 30 girls yeah. for numbers of hours a week and it's like y- you know you're the big strong man lifting these girls up why wouldn't you yeah and so that's makes, kind of when the, you put it that way <laughs> the, like it's yeah why wouldn't you makes perfect sense you know yeah. so yeah definitely stigma for it's just the weird how that boys, is right it's but, like yeah. How like some things are a boy sport, some things are a girl sport. It's just so strange. It's, like it's like the closest thing that I, I think to it, like I always have to refer back to powerlifting. Not that I ever, mm-hmm. com- I never, I've never competed in powerlifting, but that's mm-hmm. the closest thing to a sport that I ever like took under. Yeah. <laughs> but like there, there definitely was always like a, it's the same thing. Like there's, there's a stigma around girls getting into powerlifting. Mm-hmm. The like, there's the idea that like all of a sudden you're just going to be really, really stacked and really jacked and you're going to have this deep voice. I'm like, where, I don't know where the voice comes from because yeah. I'm like, unless you're, unless you're, <laughs> unless you're supplement, supplementing yourself yeah. with some little extra testosterone, that's not going to happen to you. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, the, the idea of putting on too much muscle is insane to me. It's just like, I wish that was a problem. Like, <laughs> I, like I did, like I was in, I, I was 
strictly powerlifting for like two years. I'm still tiny. Like, like if you yeah. want, if you want a good example of the fact that powerlifting doesn't make you bulky, look at me. I'm your best <laughs> example of that. So I'm just like, like, but like, I, I feel like focusing on the athletic aspect of it really will just get rid. I just don't understand the whole idea of like girl sport, boy sport. I'm like it's sports. Like yeah, it's, I, I totally agree. And, but it's funny it's that crazy. you brought that up because we actually face that, um, those, uh, comments i guess when it comes to cheerleaders because we were trying to get them to condition better yeah. and they're going well i don't want to get bulky i'm just gonna go for like a 10k run we're like um honey you're <laughs> lifting girls like yeah. you're lifting people going for a 10k run isn't gonna do anything for yeah. you so it's it's that that whole education piece is so huge for us because we face the same thing like scott actually wrote a book about um uh myths like cheerleading myths yeah. and one of the things that he talks about is if I lift weights or if I condition properly for my sport, am I going to get bulky? And it's like, no, no, that's not. If you're training appropriately for your sport or whatever, it doesn't mean that you're just all of a sudden going to blow up and be (laughs) like this massive, you know, I'm sure the people that actually try to be that way will you yeah. know, <laughs> agree. It's, it's not, not easy. Not easy. It's not easy to get bulky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> unless you're like, yeah. Unless you're like on other things, like it's just, it's just not going to happen. Yeah. So yeah, this is just a lot of. There's a lot of like whole ideas that like you just have to like a lot of myths and a lot of bullshit that you just gotta plow through and get rid of. Yeah. Like girl sport, boy sport, and like that's one thing that really bothers me. And like now understanding a little bit, I'm gonna close this because like I feel like there's. <laughs> noise coming in but yeah like um the the whole idea of like what cheerleading actually is so like that must have been frustrating for you right? like up. just yeah growing up and like and like if you try to tell people that you're a cheerleader they mm-hmm. probably their first thought probably goes to like oh like dancing around with pom-poms yeah again no disrespect like <laughs> I, I know there there is there is a whole aspect of, of that too that that is its own category but that mm-hmm. that does make it a little bit confusing of just like because you are called the same thing but you're not the same thing mm-hmm. like was that a big part of like yeah uh, like the absolutely. impetus of bringing on cheer district <laughs> um when i was growing up for sure people would ask oh who do you cheer for and i'm mm. like myself <laughs> nobody <laughs> oh, that's another thing team. yeah 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 because like you're you are like you are the, the the association is that your your cheerleading is for a football team or mm-hmm. a basketball or some some sort of other sports team but like you're yeah. a team on your own exactly so when actually when i went to university and we had to do sign lines here i was like i spent my entire life telling people i didn't <laughs> cheer for sports teams like i am the sports team it was it was really hard to get over at first because i was like i literally fought my whole life of people saying oh who do you cheer for oh well what do you do just stand on the sidelines and yell oh god when you know they get a point or whatever um so that was tough for me for sure because cheerleading is obviously not like that i cheered for 11 years before i ever cheered on the sideline Mm -hmm. um so for those of you that don't know, <laughs> cheerleading, um, <laughs> we practice and practice and practice and we go to a competition and we have two minutes and 30 seconds to put on a routine. Um, and then you're judged on that routine similar to like a figure skating or gymnastics. Um, there's a, a score sheet, a rubric that you have to check off certain boxes, have to hit, um, yeah. you know, your elites. So 
there's seven levels. You can do all different things at different levels, different age groups. Um, you know, there's world cheerleading championships. There's it's, it's a sport in and of itself. And it's not just like the movements that make it a sport. We literally compete against each other. From what like I understand, sport. it's more it's more common and it's more it's it's a little more understood. It's a little better understood in the states. One hundred percent. That's because simply really, from numbers, like there's forty five thousand cheerleaders in Canada. There's four point five million in the states. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> so that's I mean, crazy. population obviously is going to yeah. change things. Yeah, yeah. Um, like Canada's the same population as like California or something like yeah, that. That's wild. Yeah, it's wild. Geography is not my strong suit, but. Um, <laughs> Yeah, just simply numbers. But even in the States, you know, uh, middle school cheer, high school cheer is huge. Yeah, because I didn't Um, see it. I don't remember seeing it anywhere when I was growing up at all. Yeah, my high school had cheerleading, but there was, you know, very few high schools did. In Canada, it's dwindling a lot and moving more towards all-star cheer. Um, But in the U.S., middle school and high school and college cheer is still going very strong. Even college cheerleading in Canada – isn't as big as it really could be. Yeah. Um, there are, there are certain schools who kind of stand out and continue to do it and go strong, but not all schools have cheerleading teams. That's for sure. Hmm. Um, but definitely bigger and more understood in the States. And I think just because it's been around longer, Mm -hmm. how different do you think your, uh, uh, experience with cheerleading would have been if you're, if you came up in it now, like with just so more education different. and like more so, exposure. So, 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 so different. It's funny because when I started, um, there wasn't spring floors. So we just. It was just flat. Hard it was just fl- like, so the blue mat that's on top of the springs, Ooh. it was just that. Ouch. Um, <laughs> so when I, like when I first started, spring floors were just kind of coming around. Yeah. But my so spring gym- floors is like what you'd see in a gymnastics gym. Yeah. Where like you, you, it's like you're, it's like you're walking on a trampoline. <laughs> yes, kind of, kind of. less springy, definitely less, less than springy that, than like, a trampoline. It's like a trampoline with a, well, it's literally springs with a piece of plywood over top with a mat on top. That's literally what makes a sprung floor. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. So it, yeah, because I had I had I had definitely walked on spring floor before, but like not as much as when I when I came to film for Cheer District, and I'm just like every step takes so much more effort. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm just like, I'm trying to like when I'm trying to film the stunts and I'm like, I'm sprinting. I'm dead sprint going around you guys. (laughs) And I'm just like, I feel like I'm working so hard and I'm moving so slowly because it absorbs a lot of your momentum. Yeah. But also it protects you. Yeah. When you when you're when you're tumbling, especially and when you when you land, it it absorbs all your impact. Absolutely. It's it's definitely helped the injury yeah. prevention but, so, but when, when I up, when I first started they didn't have that um, like it existed obviously but it so I went to the first gym that ever opened in Canada oh, so wow. we didn't have that at first it, but we got a sprung floor by like my second year um, but when I first started just like tumbling classes and all of the extras that really helped you uh, grow as an athlete were just so who can kind of do this? Can you teach it? Yeah. And uh, the sport's coming a long way in terms of that, but there's still no regulatory body that requires you to have. So in gymnastics, for example, in, in order to be a gymnastics coach, you have to get certain um, credentials okay, to yeah, yeah. be a gymnastics coach. But in cheerleading, although they offer them, it's not mandatory. Right. Where back in the day, there was like nothing. Basically, if you could do it, you could teach it. Mm-hmm. And only if you could kind of do it, you could kind of teach it. Yeah. So. I remember once I was, you know, on a trampoline learning how to do a back tuck and 
I went, my coach kind of looked somewhere else, landed on my head, like had to go to the hospital. But like that stuff didn't doesn't really happen anymore because they have the proper progressions and they Mm -hmm. actually now teach athletes that basically you shouldn't be doing a skill that you really need to be heavily spotted for because they teach you the progressions to get there. But back when I was doing it, it was kind of like, well, just try it. (laughs) And it's very learning by doing. Yeah. A hundred percent, but it's so different now. So either I would have been way, way worse. Like I never would have made it to the level (laughs) that I did. (laughs) Um, because just the requirements are different yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Um, or I would have been way, way, way better because I would have had a different yeah, experience. Yeah, you would have had the right support. I just started off on like bad technique because right. I just kind of threw my body into things as a put and to break technique is so hard which yeah. I'm sure you can you know attest to even yeah. from a powerlifting standpoint like if you're it's going muscle memory yeah. exactly and when you build muscle memory in a certain way and then someone's like you're doing that wrong you're like well now my body is just doing it so yeah. I don't know how to change it muscle memory is not a good or bad thing it can, you can make it a good thing you can make it beneficial to you or it can be bad for you but like muscle memory is muscle memory and yeah. like if your body is used to doing it one way it's it's always going to do it that way mm-hmm. and to detrain something that your body knows how to do already it's very very difficult Super for hard. anybody who's like if you've done any like you know if you if you've done martial arts you know this if you if you've done any sort of like uh fitness related sport you know that like mm-hmm. muscle memory is huge and but it, it does it does help you in a lot of ways too because you know when you first learn a technique or you first learn a movement you're thinking of like you have to think of everything you have mm-hmm. to think of like your foot placement you have to think about the way that you move your body you have mm-hmm. to think about all this but then slowly your muscle your, your body learns layers of it mm-hmm. and like for example when i was learning when i was learning how to kick properly for muay thai you know, you have to think about everything. You have to think about your hip turning over. You have to think about the way that your your uh, your base foot pivots onto its toe, and then you have to think about the way, where you make contact with with your target on your shin. And <laughs> and then after a while, you're like, okay, whatever the, uh, the the hip turning over I got, I don't have to think about that. That's easy. Um, the the foot pivot I got, that's fine. I can okay. Now let me now let me work on. Let me. You can you can focus strictly on certain things. Mm-hmm. Like now, I'm going to focus on exactly where I make contact, or I'm going to focus on speed, or I'm going to focus on you know accuracy. And then you you, you all those other mechanics are just down, mm-hmm. and that's muscle memory. But if you if you learn something wrong, and to detrain something that your body is just doing by second nature, it's really it's almost impossible to do it. So like it really, if you're going to learn something, you've got to learn it the right way first. Exactly. I guess that's what like true district you're trying to get them to do, right? Like yeah. get, get everything, get all the foundations in order mm-hmm. so that when, when you're, you only have to worry about the things that are like the technique yeah, as that opposed are like, to trying to build the muscle while doing it. Exactly. But, um, muscle memory is like a huge part of cheerleading because that's why we train and train and train and train a two minute and 30 second routine yeah. so that when you step out on that floor, Oh my God, I'm having a really weird deja vu right now. I don't know why that just happened. That was so weird. I was like, we've had this conversation before. I've sat here before. Sorry. I hate when that happens. That was so weird. It's a glitch in the okay. matrix. What did they change? What did the agents change? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> my my uh, window is just a brick wall now. Um, sorry. So it must, in cheerleading, like we work and work and work that two minute and 30 second routine for so long so that it becomes muscle memory because when you step out on that floor and there's like all those bright lights on you, um, you can't see anybody around you. There's like mm-hmm. all this pressure. You're waiting for the music to turn on. Your body just goes into overdrive. Like it just, yeah. it just does it. But when I first started, when I hadn't quite got to that part yet, I used to literally have to write, I'd write the routine, the order of the routine on my wrist because I'd be that girl that would be like, 
oh my god what's next i forget <laughs> i forget but my body would just start moving me there yeah but like yeah, my yeah. brain would freak me out and i remember this one time it was like one of my first competitions when I started. So I was literally like six or seven years old, but I remember <laughs> it so vividly because I mean, this is kind of uh, stereotypical, but I was the top of the pyramid, <laughs> quote unquote. <laughs> like I was the middle girl uh, back, when I was, <laughs> back when I was a top and I was standing at the front of the floor and just like blank face looking at my coach going, I have no idea where I'm supposed to go. And my coach is looking at me like, Brand, go to the pyramid. She's like <laughs> yelling at me. And I turn around and everyone's just like waiting for me. And I booked it and I got there in time. But like, if it weren't for that building up that muscle memory and like learning yeah. to just trust that muscle memory when it comes to putting on a routine, yeah. um, it's just so different. But it, I just have, I honestly have like nightmares about it sometimes. <laughs> Of like stepping on the floor and just my anxiety taking over and totally forgetting where I'm going. But as I got older, I learned how to manage that a little this bit. This is not better. really the same, but I do know what that feels like. Of um, <clears throat> it's uh, any any sort of like because in a way it, it is a performance. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And yeah, so like um, for me, I had that. I have that exact same experience from performing music. Mm. And yeah, like the you know they they say your name. You step out and then it's a huge spotlight right on your face. You can't see anybody. Yeah. Everybody's looking at you. It's dead silent. Everybody's just waiting for you. Mm-hmm. And it's like, hi. <laughs> <laughs> and then you just have to, and then your brain just turns off. It's it. You're, you, you, I, you just, I just, go. I just, I remember from, from when I used to do it, I just remember like, I can't feel my, I can't feel my body. <laughs> I'm like, I'm here. It's like an out of body experience. Like mm-hmm. you're just watching yourself do it. Mm-hmm. It's like, you're like, okay, I can see everything. I'm, conscious of what's happening but i don't feel anything Mm -hmm. and then you're just like okay well i'm just gonna start and then your body just takes over it just knows what to do and yeah and then you just you just start and then you you make it through and then you're like okay this this part comes here and then at some point i'm like where am i in this song i'm like (laughs) what like what what comes after this and like you feel like you're forgetting the words but then you're singing the words but then they're just coming out yeah they're just coming out it's it's just it when yeah that's something that like for anybody, you you won't. There's no way to explain how that feels unless you go through it. 100%. It's wild when when it happens to you and yeah. your, your whole body just turns off, but you're still awake. Yeah, and everybody's still looking at you, waiting for you to do the thing, and you're just like, I don't know. And then, it's, but your body just does your body the just thing. does it. Yeah. It's just yeah, the, but that like that's why it's like, but that's what practice does. Yeah, that's what like that's why you practice. It is very similar because I been in the same situation from like a musical perspective like that feeling of just yeah (laughs) lights oh my god body just hopefully go i can't even imagine of like trying to do anything like physical (laughs) it just happens like honestly it just happens and i've had times where i've got off the floor and i'm like i don't even remember that it's like when you drive somewhere and you drive there all the time and you get there you're like how did i get here (gasps) can i tell you a really really stupid story something that happened to me when i was in school <laughs> please do so uh, i remember uh, it was like deep deep like essay season and exam season and you know, i was just having one of those weeks where you spend you know like 13 hours a day on campus mm-hmm. like you're there from like like eight in the morning until like two in the morning <laughs> And I'm just like working on working on something in a computer lab and the way that my um, my um, faculty building was set up was <laughs> The uh, the elevate like the the bathrooms it was weird like the, el- the the bathrooms were beside the elevators, 
which was always strange. Like it was, it was, um, the center of the building was just elevators and then bathrooms. And then it kind of branched off into the, all the offices and all the, the, the rooms on the side. So I was, I was in a computer lab and I remember just having like, I was like, okay, I just need to get up. And I just like, I, I went to the bathroom just cause I needed to get up and I did like stop looking at the screen. Mm-hmm. But then like, as soon as I stood up, my body just went to autopilot. And then I, walked toward but like i'm walking toward the bathroom but i'm also walking toward the elevator <laughs> so then I, I walk out and then i like i push the elevator button and i'm waiting for it and then i get in the elevator and i hit ground floor and there's other people in the elevator like, oh fuck i'm <laughs> what am i doing what am i doing <laughs> and then, but like other people are around me so i just have to like pretend like i'm meant to be there and like i just exit <laughs> the elevator on the ground floor everybody else walks out after me i just kind of like yeah. s- try to slow down and wait for them to pass me so i could go back and <laughs> go back upstairs <laughs> literally the worst feeling is like when you, when you walk <laughs> into blind. a room and you're like why am i here <laughs> all the time all the time uh, especially really. as an entrepreneur i feel like i have a million and 12 things in my brain yeah. all the time and it's like it's a feeling that I've never had in my life before. Yeah. Um, Your brain does weird, weird things. Weird things. Like, <laughs> I'm not kidding you. I Okay, so another story, I guess. We don't have to dive into it, but someone stole my identity like a month ago, um, which is pretty shitty. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, but I was talking to the bank because, like, I have to deal with all this stuff. And obviously, A, I'm overwhelmed because some I just found out someone stole my identity that I'm yeah. dealing with all this shit. But also, Cheer District is, like, so busy, and I'm trying to deal with it all at the same time. And then my man goes, okay, what's your home address? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I really wish I could tell you. And I realize I'm in the process of telling you that someone just stole my identity. Oh, no. And now oh, no. I don't know oh, my no. home address. I'm like, but I swear to God, there's just so much going on in my brain. Like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> So funny. It was like I like had to text my boyfriend. I'm like, what is our address? That's I can't so for the life of me remember it. So <laughs> it's like it's not nothing like I've ever experienced before. Like my mom used to always tell me, Don't bring in when you get older. Like you're gonna know what it feels like to go into a room and not know. I'm like, oh mom, I know. Yeah. I already know. There's not enough room up here for more things. I can't yeah. handle it. Well the, the way that I explained to you is like I, I remember I talked about this with somebody like uh, somebody else that I had on the podcast. So I was like like your brain and I heard this on another podcast too, but like your brain only has so much Ram, mm-hmm. right? Like you can only process so many things at the same time. Mm-hmm. And we just keep trying to cram shit in there. What your brain is going to do is it's just going to expel something else to make room for it. Yeah. So then you just, you're, you're going to find yourself in these and like, you can't control what your brain gets rid of. Yeah. It just gets rid of it. Mm-hmm. So then like you, you just try to take on one more thing. You try to do one more thing. And then all of a sudden you're forgetting things. Like I remember like a big, a big sign of when I knew that I was like starting to burn out was like, I was just having like these little gaps in my memory, mm-hmm. which is like, I was just like forgetting things. Like mm-hmm. not like big things or just like, you know, like I would like, I, I remember like something, it would be something stupid. Like I would like whole conversations that I would have with people that I just have no memory of. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, happens to me like, all I would, the time. like just talk, you, you'll talk to somebody and be like, yeah, we talked about this. And then like, did we? And they're like, yeah, when we were at this place, I'm like, I had no memory of that at all. <laughs> Zero memory. Like, like of us, of, of me being in a, a specific spot with somebody having a conversation and I just have zero memory of it mm-hmm. and like they'll tell me about it and like yeah that sounds right <laughs> sounds like that was me that but... sounds like something that we would have done and like yeah I guess I would have been there at that time because I can't think of what else I would be mm-hmm. doing but I have zero and you zero kind of get that feeling that you're like I feel like I remember that yeah but I don't actually remember that yeah and, and then t- you also just kind of feel like an asshole because you're like <laughs> yeah i'm sorry that i forget an entire time that we hung you, out or we had a conversation i yeah, don't remember it's just completely missing from your memory yeah like your brain just got rid of it at some point because yeah. there's just no more room that's why you need to sleep more 
Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Have you figured that out yet? Like that whole balance of... Um, I definitely prioritize my sleep. Yeah. Because um, I'm not a nice person when I don't, when you don't sleep. sleep. <laughs> I'm just useless. Like, I'm cranky. I'm like... Oh, quick. you're short. I'm short. Yeah. Yes, that's... I'm short. Got it. Yeah. Um, And living with another human being is hard when you're like always <laughs> yeah, tired yeah, yeah. and being short and it's not really fair to them. So um, I, I'm like definitely an in bed at 9 p.m. kind of gal. Mm-hmm. Um. But I just work from like the time that I got get up to the time I go to sleep. And yeah. that's kind of what I've figured out is I'd rather be, like I said at the beginning, like I'd rather be productive during a shorter amount of time than, I mean, not that that's a short amount of time, not but like, <laughs> um, then just like work until, you know, midnight, one o'clock until in the morning and anymore, until, yeah. yeah, until my eyes are like bleeding from like yeah, a computer <laughs> screen, um, and just like prioritizing my sleep and, and knowing when, okay, it's time to go to bed for you. I mean, sometimes I obviously still struggle with that, but I, I do my best. It also has made a huge difference now that I have, like, I have seven, eight other staff members that mm-hmm. like we can split up the work now. I mean, we're all drowning 90% of the time because we have so much to do, but right. if it's at the point like yesterday, a friggin' tidal wave hit me, I was like, Oh, it's a Saturday morning, coronavirus, nothing's <laughs> going on. Like everybody's just yeah. in their house doing nothing. <laughs> Turns out when people are in their houses doing nothing, this is the time that they actually do work. So mm, now it's like yeah, a tidal yeah. wave of work for me. So I got up thinking nothing, ended up sitting at my computer from 10 a.m. to like 9 p.m. And luckily I have an amazing partner who literally just cooked me my food and brought it to me. And I just didn't like I literally didn't move. Yeah. I got up to go to the bathroom and to make two coffees. But other than that, I literally didn't move. But it's like I had to something I wouldn't have done a year ago. And even my dad called me. He's like, Brian, you better have your teammates helping you. And I'm mm-hmm. like, no, no, I learned I learned that. So, yeah, I I learned how to delegate which is super hard super hard because i have control issues big big challenge (laughs) especially for somebody that that's 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 the paradox though of like wanting being the kind of person who wants to do everything yourself includes learning how to let go of some control absolutely so i haven't gotten to that point yet (laughs) so i don't know how i'm gonna deal with that when it happens Mm -hmm. but i'm not there yet so i'm not gonna worry about it yeah but like (laughs) it's it's a weird weird thing of just like you you want you do your own thing because you want to have full control Mm -hmm. but then part of having full control means letting go of that control Mm So like, how do you, like, how do you deal with that? <laughs> um, it honestly took me a really long time and it took me hiring the right people to know when to say to me, Brianne, I can do that. That's not right. part of your job description anymore. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, but I really don't mind doing this dad entry because I know I'll do it right. <laughs> like, but it, it's learning those things and letting go and having the right people on your side kind of thing to know how to help you and how to navigate that. And I was really lucky to have those right people who I trusted that I knew could tell me and that also (coughs) understood my being neurotic about like having to be controlling. So at the beginning, it was kind of, we did it on almost like a, a phase where I would be like, okay, I'm going to give you this responsibility now. However, you need to prove to me that, you can handle that responsibility. So for the next month, every time you do that responsibility before it goes public or like before it 
becomes an actual thing. Yeah. You have to run it by me first and then I'll give you the A-OK to go ahead. But then okay. it got to a point where I'm like, OK, every single time you come to me, I'm telling you you're doing this right. So now this is becoming a waste of time for you to be wasting my time. Yeah. Um, so I was lucky that the people that I was working with understood that. Um, that's probably definitely not the way that you should do it because <laughs> you should just trust. And then if it goes wrong, fix. Um but I'm a control freak. I was always that person, like in high school when we had group projects, I was like, guys, I'll just do it. I'll put your name on it <laughs> yeah. because I want it done right and I want a good grade. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> don't touch it. <laughs> if you put a Bristol board without the cutout paper behind it and you don't use a ruler, I'm going to lose my mind. So I'll just do it myself. <laughs> and I was definitely like that going into being an entrepreneur. But then when it's a like shit storm of things getting thrown at you, it gets to a point where like you just literally cannot control everything yourself. Yeah. And so that's when I really learned to let go when I was like, I will have a mental breakdown if I try to handle this myself. So I've built trust in these people. I believe in what they do. And I believe that they're always going to work in the best interest of what we're doing. Something that I really pride myself on is like making sure that anybody I bring into my company is feels like it's, Kind of like their company as well, because then I know they're always going to act in the best interest. And if they didn't, I had to let like I've had to let people go because I'm like, that's "That's a whole other situation. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Because they just didn't. Yeah. yeah, Oh, that's that's literally the worst. I mean, sometimes they make it really easy because you're just like, are you kidding? Um, But sometimes it's hard. (laughs) Like I've had ones that I've like cried over and one that I was just like, bye. Yeah. <laughs> Please don't come back. Because on the one hand, you do want to have a, you do want, you you have to build. It has to be a team, right? Like you have mm-hmm. to. Yeah, like we are. What's really cool about True District is we're like all best friends. And honestly, mm-hmm. I know this is probably the last thing that you're supposed to tell people. But like when I hire, it's always like some people believe in culture. Some people don't. I strongly believe in culture. Like if I don't think that you're going to fit into our culture and I don't think that you're going to come to work and like love being there every single day because we're all having fun. We joke, we talk about what we did on the weekend. We talk about things that probably shouldn't be talked about in the workplace, but like (laughs) we're there because we're just hanging out with our friends and that's what gets everybody up in the morning. That's what gets everybody to put in the extra hours in the week that as a startup, maybe you're not getting paid for, but it's like that passion of a loving what we're doing, but also loving the people that you're doing that we travel a lot together we spend a lot of time i we're a startup i can't afford for everybody to have their own hotel rooms we're sharing beds like you have to have (laughs) the people like the people that you're spending all this time with like you have to be comfortable with those people so i i'm a huge proponent of of culture 100 i don't think you need to really question that i i like I would say like absolutely culture is it's mm-hmm. it's huge it's, it's crucial for like especially for being somebody who's been a company man and like you know you know become disillusioned with the whole message and the whole culture like culture is is a lot of what will bring you out of wanting to be on a team with people mm-hmm. and ultimately that'll be something that like drives you out of a company or drives you out of a, a job just because like you'll you, you know it, if the culture doesn't fit you anymore then you're not going to be a motivated employee exactly and so like it, it definitely is a big thing, especially if it's something that you're going to be doing all the time. Like if it's mm-hmm. going to be your, if it's going to be your job, it has to be, you know, it has to be your job. A hundred percent. And it's not a yeah. job that you're doing for somebody else. It's it has to be something that you're, that you believe in. Otherwise exactly. you're not going to put in, you're not going to put in a, a true effort to it. So exactly. Like, and especially with a startup, it's a, <clears throat> it's a totally different. I mean, I don't know if you've ever, ever worked for a startup, but it's different in that it's like, 
more work, less money, but more passion. But you, well, you you have to determine value, right? Like exactly. At the end of the day, the idea is that, you you know, if you look at the people that were there from the beginning at Microsoft, they're billionaires. Like, you know, even still, like you have to, everything, everything balances, right? Like it doesn't come down to your paycheck. It doesn't come down to your benefits. Mm -hmm. You know, everything has, everything balances each other out. Like you can have a job that pays you like, you know, a hundred thousand dollars a year. If you hate it, what's the point? What's the point? Like exactly. you, you won't, you know, that's not going to be something that you're going to be, the money won't, the money won't compensate for your, you know, your mm-hmm. unhappiness. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think that like being a part of a startup, it's a different thought process when you're going to take the job. It's not like going to any other interview because you don't, and I try to allow my employees to, and I just kind of take on the after hour stuff, but especially in an industry like ours that runs after hours, mm-hmm. cheerleading runs in the evenings and the weekends, you have to be willing to put, not have that nine to five where you get to turn off. Like when it's five o'clock and right. now yeah, yeah, yeah. your work doesn't exist anymore till nine o'clock tomorrow morning. That doesn't happen when you're part of a startup, especially in the tech industry like we are because people not only does our industry run off hours but also it's, people can use their app at any time of yeah. the day like it, if there's you a don't custom have a physical location exactly like yeah. it's not like i'm closing down a storefront yeah, that yeah, no yeah, one yeah. can now come into it's like if there's someone's if the app crashes at 8 p.m you better believe we're working at 8 p.m if we have a competition that goes till midnight you better believe we're working till midnight we work from 6 a.m till midnight sometimes Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday at a cheerleading competition. And, but those are the sacrifices that you kind of have to make to think about in the long term. like, where am I going to be in terms of the growth of this company? I'm in from the beginning. So I get to be, you know, up there when we grow, or I'm going to benefit differently when maybe one day we sell, like I'll have something that I do with my employees is that when, for the ones that come on early, like I'm going to give them ownership in the company. So like that they have a different piece of the pie because yeah, it's, it's yeah. a, the commitment that you have to make to a startup is so different than going to like an already established you're the 3000th employee yeah. or whatever it's it's a very different culture and expectations are very different yeah there's an aspect of entrepreneurship to even joining a startup too because like it's the same sort of ideas like when you're you know probably one of the key differences of just like if you're doing anything on your own there are no hours Mm -hmm. it is eyes open to eyes closed Mm -hmm. and it's still going on when you're asleep you're just not literally you're literally not conscious for it yeah but your involvement of it is eyes open two eyes closed mm-hmm. and you learn a lot about yourself when when you're in a position where you don't get to turn it off mm-hmm. you you get to learn where your motivation comes from and like where what your how far you can push yourself and how how much you can handle because a lot of especially for me like i thought i could handle a lot more than i could mm-hmm. and a big part of it for me was admitting to myself to like okay i'm not I, I i'm not strong enough to keep going i have to i have to I have to shut down for a little while. Mm-hmm. I got to stop for a little bit. And I always, the first time that I ever had to admit that to myself was probably one of the hardest things I had to do because it felt like quitting. Mm-hmm. I hate quitting. I hate quitting. I hate weakness and I can't handle it. And mm-hmm. to see it in myself was tough. But then to understand too, that it's not, you're not quitting. 
it's not weakness because listen when when you're done with this little shutdown it comes right back yeah <laughs> it doesn't yeah. stop you have to know yourself and like you know if you kill yourself in the process it doesn't matter what it doesn't matter how hard you worked mm-hmm. it it's it's all going to be for nothing and like there's still so like there's a lot of there's a lot of learning about yourself and like a lot of a lot of having to put yourself under you know certain situations or you know making admissions to yourself of like you can't things that you can and can't do learning your boundaries and mm-hmm. there's also a lot of growth a lot of growth a lot of growth like i'm literally a different person than i was 3 years ago like yeah that might be a good thing to end on so totally how, 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 like if you were to compare yourself pre this pre your district and now mm. what's the what are the differences um i'm way more confident than i was um in like a good way I was very shy um I didn't like to put myself out there I wasn't I would never would have gone and done like a photo shoot with you (laughs) zero percent never would have done that I mean still awkward but um at least I went at least I showed up um I am more driven for sure I know myself like you were saying like I know myself so much better now I had to put myself through so many emotional situations to learn how to manage my emotions and it was a roller coaster for a while um but I just think basically deep down to my core of like who I am as a person Mm -hmm. I am me yeah and I wasn't proud of me before like I was I struggled a lot with not being confident I struggled a lot with not loving myself I struggled a lot with what people thought of me what people thought about the way I looked or whatever it was and although cheer district has nothing to do with um any of those things being an entrepreneur definitely does because you have to have the confidence to step into a room of you know 20 old white men and tell them why you're going to, why you're going to be good at something, why you are the person that they should bet on. Or, you know, even just into a cheerleading gym to talk to a gym owner and say why your idea is good. Like you have to, if you don't have confidence behind that, they're not going to believe that, but you have to believe it yourself before you can put that onto somebody else. So definitely the biggest difference for me is like being proud of me and being confident and happy with who I am versus being somebody who wanted to be somebody else before yeah because if you if you don't if you don't believe in yourself you can't really expect anybody else to believe exactly now you you have to believe in yourself before anybody else will and even if they don't you have to be okay with it and like (laughs) yeah that's that's the hardest part especially (laughs) as like a young female i get a lot of yeah imagine you're 12 (laughs) (laughs) no i'm not going to give you a million (laughs) dollars like uh i get a lot i get a lot of that um have to face that people like literally straight up to my face ignoring me like thinking i'm just Mm. like a someone there to pour their coffee here (laughs) yeah literally like can you get me a coffee i'm like actually i'm here to do the presentation but thanks um so yeah definitely face a lot of that but having the tools to be able to be like haha ha, you're gonna be the one that's embarrassed in a sec when i step up there to do the presentation <laughs> but before i probably would have like ran into a bathroom and cried but that's now you just you, you got the you got the the, t- the the thick skin to be able to just take it on the chin and just yeah everything is conditioning everything is conditioning yeah. just being just uh, like you know when you're when you're trying to put something out there that's just strictly yours you're gonna hear no a lot mm-hmm. a lot mm-hmm. and like it's no isn't necessarily it, like another tough thing about it is no is not just black and white no mm-hmm. like for example for me 
a no is somebody just ghosting you mm-hmm. and you know something that you you put you you invested a lot of a lot in emotionally and then just it's just gone mm-hmm. and you have to you have to learn to take that and just understand that it has nothing to do with you mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and you know continuing because the thing is if you take all those if you take all those rejections and you take all those no's if you take that all personally it's gonna bury you yeah and like you you have to have that internal conviction that says like okay it's not for them. Fine. Somebody else. You, mm-hmm. you, you you go on to the next thing. Yeah. I also try to live by the like, it's a no for now. Doesn't mean it's a no forever. Mm. And so whether that's with a certain person or whether that's just building a connection, because you're like, OK, no for now, for sure. But let me prove to you why it's going to be yeah. a yes in a couple months or why it's going to be yes in a year or two years or three years, whatever it looks like. Yeah. It's the long game. But yeah, yeah, I do think that like opportunities have a way of finding you when you're ready for them. Mm-hmm. And, 100%. you know, it, if an opportunity comes around and it doesn't go your way, it could just be that it just wasn't your time. And yeah. there's, it's not to say that it won't come back around, but mm-hmm. maybe when it does come back around, you'll be ready for it. Mm-hmm. And, and you'll you have, have a different that, perspective. Exactly. You'll have that, you'll have that perspective of like, they have, they had the, the, uh, the wherewithal within them to, to say no to you in the first place. Mm-hmm. It helps you to not take it for granted. Mm-hmm. But yeah, anyways, um, I think we can leave it there. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being so open. And I hope you had a good time with your photo shoot. We got some bangers. I, I can't I'm wait to show to you. I'm excited to see them. Uh, what, uh, okay, so where we got uh, True District, you're on Instagram. The the app is on the apps. It's pretty much, you can get it pretty much anywhere, yeah? Yeah, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. If you're in cheerleading, check us out. Or fitness. Honestly, you can download the app and you can sign up as like just a regular Joe Blow. Oh, I'm um, on it. You can, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't really done anything with it, but like I have, I have a profile. Yeah. Yeah, like, <laughs> like <laughs> nice, nice, yeah. Um, but like, even you, I mean, if you want workouts, I do them, and they're they're hard. We have like alumni workouts or parent workouts. Yeah. Um, so like, you don't have to be a cheerleader if you want to do them. For everybody, but yeah. Or um, find me on Instagram. <laughs> People can follow you, Brian. It's just Brian Hansen. Brian E. Hansen. Bri- oh, is it, oh, there's an extra E. There's an extra E. I've never My middle name is Elizabeth, so. Oh, mm-hmm. see, I learned so much today. <laughs> yep. So Brianne E. Hansen on Instagram. Yes. You can follow the uh, you can follow Brianne's podcast, Becoming Entrepreneurs, where yes. she talks to uh, to other business owners. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I also love. I, can I say I also love that you uh, that you are, are are building this thing of just like encouraging other female entrepreneurs and thank you and you know highlighting highlighting them and telling their stories because like you have a perspective on it that i never could yeah because like just growing up as a man with i've always had a really deep voice so Mm -hmm. like even even if i was a small skinny kid if i was on the phone i could sound like i was a 40 year old man yeah it was my biggest weakness i sound (laughs) like i'm 12 (laughs) but like you can but you can you can you can have certain perspectives on it that like that I like people like me never could. So it's really interesting for me to listen to, to stuff like that. So thanks for listening. I appreciate it. <laughs> I, I just do it for fun because I really like to learn from other people. And like yeah. 90% of the questions that I ask, it's so that I can actually learn yeah. the answer <laughs> yeah. and then I grow from it. So I'm like, this is really it's like, selfish, yeah, say, really. Say, say that again. I just, <laughs> yeah, just that write down. that down. <laughs> yeah. That's why I have a recording. I can listen over it. <laughs> yeah. So Cheer District, uh, Brianne E. Hansen on Instagram and the Becoming Entrepreneurs podcast. Listen to it in your car. However you're listening to this, if you made it this far, thank you very much for listening. And (laughs) thank you for being here. Hope to talk to you again very soon. Thank you. The end. (laughs) 